Hariyam, Shri Guru Bionamaha. We've been talking about qualifications that a person needs to have to be able to imbibe the spiritual knowledge. So after Vivek and Vairagya, there is six qualities that are called the wealth of values that a seeker can have. And the first two is what we're going to be focusing on here today, Shama and Dhamma. It has been said that the difference between want and need is self-control. Shama is control of the mind and Dhamma is control at the level of the body. But what it is really explaining is that we spend our lives with the senses extroverted, going out into the world, and then with our likes and dislikes, when we see something in the world outside, we become attracted to it. And that, whatever it is that we've seen, heard, taste, touch, that we become attracted to, then as though has entry into our mind. It's as though a window is opened or a door is open, and that object actually enters our mind, and we continue to daydream about it or continue to think about how to acquire it, how enjoyable it would be when I can have it. And so as these objects take the the attention of the mind, the mind's attention, of course, cannot go anywhere else. In terms of spirituality, to have the mind as peaceful and quiet as possible. Dhamma is, is the grossest level. So it's described that the object as though sneaks in to the mind. Not that anything can without us learning it, but it's as though it's come in and the senses have brought it in. Almost like how a dog would carry something and bring it into our mind. And so at the level of the senses, to have control is Dhamma. So to not even look. If I know something is going to tempt me, if I'm walking past a shop a window or if I'm watching a movie, I could literally close my eyes or turn my head. And so that kind of physical self-control is Dhamma. And then one is something coming in and two is me going out to get it. And so the mind goes out into the world through the senses because it is interested and fascinated by whatever it is that's there in the environment. And so Shema is at the level of the mind, that the mind's held steady and so it doesn't go out into the world. So even if an object comes into my vision, into I hear about it, the mind doesn't get engrossed as though hold on to it. And then the whole thinking process of how wonderful, how desirable, how attractive, how much this would make my life more enhanced. All of that doesn't happen. So to summarize again, at the level of senses, when I can cut it off physically, because I know it's then going to create a whole lot of thoughts and disturbances in my mind, then that's Dhamma. But if my eyes are open, ears are open, and I'm engaging in whatever activity is in the world outside, and I see something And they might have been that I get attracted to it, but at the mental level I say, no. And I don't engage in the thinking of that would be so desirable. So in a very gross example, it would be the the scriptures would give the example of 
if anger creeps into us, then we clench our fists. We might even raise our hand. Our voice gets louder. So at the level of Dhamma, I wouldn't do all that. I would deliberately speak in a normal tone or a softer tone. I wouldn't raise my hand. I wouldn't clench the fist or the even the jaw. If it already comes in, because we're not alert that this thing might cause um, temptation, desire, then Dhamma can't be practiced. It's already in. So if anger already flares into our heart, it's already there. If desire is already created by something that I've seen or heard, it's already there. Then we practice Shama. Then to turn the mind away from the object. And we can do this in various ways. One is we stop and we think. What would happen if I engage in this line of thought? If I engage and take this object that it is that I'm attracted to? And then the next question is, is that what I want? So even something very simple like with eating and, you know, it's, it's putting on weight, that's going to be the result. Is that what I want? And very often if we are very present in that moment, then catching that desire is entered and questioning in this way what would happen and is that what I want would be enough to be able to help me practice Shama. If I've even reached out to hold the object or to acquire the object to pick it up, then Dhamma, then I would draw my hand and I don't actually pick it up. And then to understand also that whether I engage in it or not, the guarantee is not happiness. Very often, engaging in it doesn't bring more happiness than not engaging in it. And there's a really nice story that I had heard to illustrate this point. A man was being taken around a mental assignment, and he saw another man rocking on a chair, and his hands were tied up. And he was murmuring under his breath, Lalu, Lalu. And the man said, um, oh, is, you know, what's wrong with him? So the doctor, the psychiatrist had said, well, Lalu is the girl that had rejected him and the, has caused this state of his mind. And they continued walking along in the asylum and they had come to an area where they were in padded rooms. And there was another man hitting his head against the padded wall and banging. And each time he would hit his head, he would say, Lalu, Lalu. And so the man who was touring the asylum said, so is Lalu the source of his problems too? Did she reject him too? And the psychiatrist said, oh, no, no. He's the one Lalu ended up with. And so very often, whether it comes into our life or whether it doesn't come into our life, it doesn't increase our state of mind in the sense of we will feel more happiness or we will be able to solve all the problems that we think we have at this particular point in time. When we think about Shama and Dhamma, it's not a taking away from life, but it's a helping to understand that the more we're able to keep the mind free, the more we're able to dwell on things that are higher. And so humorously it has been said, self-control, please come back to me. 
but more seriously it's been said, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Think about it. For more information on Chinmaya Mission, visit our website, chinmayamission.com. For all the young adults out there, to know about our upcoming activities at the nearest Chinmaya Mission Center, visit us at chinmayayuvakendra.org. And for all our parents and teachers listening, please visit chinmayakids.org for an interactive experience of spirituality on a digital platform. Spellings of the website are provided in the description field of the podcast.